0: Here's Christoph with today's episode. Let's go. Hey, business storytellers. How's everyone doing? Thanks for joining me. Another episode here on track. And today we are live streaming and simulcasting to Search Pilot's LinkedIn page. I just saw that uh, the notification pop up and then also to today's guest Twitter account. So fantastic new new newish feature from Restream. Uh, the platform I use to live stream my shows, check it out, restream.io. Fantastic, works fantastically well. So you know what, we all know testing, right? Split testing, we test emails, we test, sometimes we write social posts and test one over another. Sometimes we throw some money behind it. But how about SEO, split testing? Have you even heard about that? I'm not sure I've heard about that. And I'm certainly not currently using any SEO split testing um, strategy. So I wanted to find out what that is, what it means. How do you do it? How do you integrate it into your content workflow? And who better to ask than um, the CEO of Search Pilot, Will Critchlow? He is joining me today from London. Will, welcome to the show.
1: Great to be here. Thanks for having me, Christoph. Fist bump.
0: Fist bump! There you go. I forgot to put the background on. Now there it is. Everything is moving a little slower today. So I think I read an article that you wrote about SEO split testing somewhere. Um, and tell me about what are we even talking about when we say SEO split testing? I mean, I get the context of testing and split testing. You know, I do that all the time, especially in email. But I don't know if it comes up as often in SEO. Maybe I'm just behind the times.
1: No, I mean it. It definitely is a kind of new thing, which with deliberately trying to break some new ground here. So the way it works is it's kind of a similar concept to um, user testing, the kind of thing you might do for conversion rate testing um, uh, on a website where that system, you split the audience. So you show some of your users version A of a page and some of your users version B. That exact method doesn't work for SEO because effectively, each search engine. So they, you know, Google is like just one user. And so you'd have to either put them in bucket A or bucket B and, you know, all the testing. So the way it works is it's designed not to work on big websites. So at, we typically work with sites that have tons of pages in what we call a site section. So a site section is a group of pages that are a similar structure. So they could be locations, they could be uh, routes, they could be products, categories, anything like that. And the the key is that you have some hypothesis about how that set of changes should be changed to do better in organic search. And we split the pages instead of splitting the audience. So, uh, yeah, basically you take that hypothesis, whatever that might be, and you apply it to some subset of the pages and leave the other pages unchanged. And then you apply some kind of advanced statistics, kind of similar process to um, analyze that and see if there's a statistically significant change in the organic visibility of those pages versus the, the ones you didn't change.
0: Interesting. I mean, that was a really, really, really short. We have probably a much longer elevator right than that <laughs> to dive into that, Will, but I do appreciate the the brevity on, on a quick overview. Now, when you say bigger uh, websites, like like what's a... And it's always like, you know, like I'm a taller guy, but if I'm, you know, somebody's seven, five, I'm not that tall. Mm-hmm. Um, so define bigger website for us. What's the Well, I, I'm a little
1: bit remote. Nobody knows nice how tall any of us are, right? So uh,
0: the... We're all the same size. <laughs> <laughs>
1: that's right. So, uh, yeah, well, there's two answers to that. So so SEO testing in general, our experience has been, you really need that site section that I was talking about there. So not, not including the homepage. The, the scalable site section. You really need that site section to be getting 1,000 plus organic visitors a day. So, you know, 30 ish thousand organic sessions a month um, to be able to expect to get good results uh, and to be able to detect uplifts with statistical confidence. We actually, at SearchPilot, we tend to focus even bigger than that. So, so, our focus is on the enterprise, and a lot of the folks we work with have, you know, millions or, or even more. Uh, uh, organic visits, but that—that's kind of rule of thumb, and um, it needs to not be to too few pages. So, uh, because we're splitting the pages rather than the users, there is again some—it's got to be like hundreds of pages—is it, a good good rule of thumb.
0: Okay, very interesting. Let me make sure I understand that correctly. So, Christophtrap.com gets about fifty, fifty-five thousand monthly organic visits. So it's it's a good number but mm-hmm. my point is if i can get there you guys can get there so don't be um you know thrown away just by by thinking that's that much but and i don't know let's assume very little is on the home page i don't know what the home page um percentage is of that
1: mm-hmm.
0: but so i so my side would qualify right based on what you just said or not i mean it's like so a-
1: assuming that traffic is coming to uh say all the article pages, right? So blog post content, then yes, you're the kind of, that's the the bottom end of where you might expect to be able to start to reach statistical significance. Um, But like I say, we we really found that where this really comes into its own is on very, very large websites. Um, So we're we're trying to work with some of the, you know, some of the biggest names in the world. And that could be across e-commerce, real estate, jobs, listings, websites, travel websites. And there, you know, one of, the, one of the things we find with this kind of testing is you're often getting statistical confidence around a few percentage points up there. And that may be worth it on, on your, your own side, but it's definitely worth it when you're talking about e-commerce at scale with hundreds of millions of dollars of revenue in total. Um, and so obviously any kind of testing is really about optimizing the, at the edges and being, uh, being confident about what you're seeing, being able to measure it, being able to make that business case around it and that's where it really comes into its own in my opinion and you kind of were saying earlier about whether mm-hmm. this is a, uh, you know, a, new, a new thing it, it, it kind of is but uh, also I think it's increasing in importance because what we're finding with, uh, with Google's approach in particular is Google is leaning into machine learning and artificial intelligence so heavily that it's very difficult to predict in advance these days what kind of changes are going to really work well, and so yeah. that's that's kind of the some of the underpinnings of this as well. We're trying to uh, skate to the future. Be be where be where Google is going, which is that the more that they go into having these you know, impenetrable black box machine learning models that just kind of go, what are the best web pages to return for this query? The more that we're kind of having to come up with user centric hypotheses. You know, we we think you, users who are searching for this kind of thing. Want a page that looks more like this. That's our hypothesis. And we have to test that because we're only right some of the time. Um, And uh, it's pretty common for tests to be uh, inconclusive or or, or even negative.
0: So what I just heard you say there, I think, is... um, So basically, if I have... If we know something about a specific user, right? You can apply that when they come to the site and then basically show them a different page based on what we know about them. Is that kind of how that works or how do what, how do we know anything about them? And this seems- no, so I'm talking
1: about users as a collective there. So, um, I mean, yep. you could apply personalization, but but that wouldn't be part of this kind of testing or this kind of uh, SEO strategy. This What I mean by thinking from a user-centric perspective is more the group of users, so the the set of people who are performing that search of you know, flights from Chicago to Heathrow or whatever it might be, uh, that group of users What kind of page do they most likely want? What do we know about what they're looking for? And how can we meet that intent as closely as possible? Which is a different way of constructing SEO hypotheses to what we might have done 10 years ago, where we would have been very much more focused on where in the page do we put the keyword? Uh, You know, how, how does Google do the information retrieval side of things to say which page is most relevant most about that query and there's this trend away from it just being about the topic to being useful for the intent and that's where you've got basically humans in the mix so it's just like the same argument for doing conversion rate testing or email testing is you're not dealing with machines you're dealing with people and google is trying to emulate what the what the people want google is trying to build these um, intelligent systems these machine learning algorithms to emulate what users really want uh, en masse and deliver them those results. And so that, that's, that's what I mean when I'm talking about user-centric SEO hypotheses
0: yeah and that's typically how I work work around that too right You have a specific group of people, even when you don't know who the specific people are. so what I find interesting is what we're actually talking about to an extent is first of all, I got to get people to my site right so for example, if I got a million search impressions, you know I don't know what the click through rate is, but you know I might get i don't know if I'm lucky what forty thousand clicks fifty thousand clicks, something like that maybe, maybe. I'm not the yeah. Right, I'm not the best um, uh, person doing math in public, so there's actually no way to test on the front end. Right, you still have to get. I mean, like on the on the on the search engine result page, or can we test there too, or is that truly after the click only?
1: No, we are definitely including that. So um, one of okay. the one of the really underutilized areas of SEO, I think, historically, mainly because we couldn't measure it, like you say, is how compelling does our result look? On that search engine result page. So, how good is that snippet? How compelling is that title? How how rich is that snippet? Do we have the you know the star ratings or the enhanced listing in any other kind of way? All of those are things that massively impact, impact click through rate. And click through rate can range hugely. You know, you can see a, a two five x difference in click through rate on the same for at the same ranking for the same keyword. And so. Yeah, we are. We can't split test that for a single page, but we can split test it in the exact same way I described uh, earlier. We can split test it for a group of pages by changing some pages, and not changing others. And we've done that. So we've tested titles, we've tested meta descriptions, we've tested removing meta descriptions and having Google write them. We've tested um, the inverse. We've tested preventing Google overwriting our meta descriptions and forcing them to look at the handwritten meta descriptions that, that we were using. We've tested all kinds of structured markup and other kinds of ways to try and get rich snippets in the search results. And many of those things don't necessarily affect rankings. So kind of classical SEO might overlook them, but actually some of them have been some of the most impactful changes we've made precisely because like you say, you can two, three, five X difference in click-through rate, same impressions, tons more traffic.
0: Very, very interesting. And one thing I want to mention really quickly, um, I'm going to take Will off screen here for a second. Uh, why Will mentioned uh, or hair to London Heathrow because I'm actually heading back out um, this year um, to the Digital Enterprise Show, and as you can see, there' fantastic lineup. I can't say I've ever been, I've ever spoken at the same conference as pres- former President Barack Obama. So thanks for giving me that opening. Um, right there to mention quickly, Will, um, if you're watching the show live um, and you are in Europe, consider going, uh, consider checking it out. Um, if you're listening on the podcast version, um, that might come out after the conference has happened. I don't know yet. So thanks for that opening. Will, you opened the door. Yep. I'm, a, I'm watching yeah, I'm the Amber Heard trial, opening the door. So I'm walking right it. Amber Heard, Johnny Depp, we're not going to go into that topic any further than that. So um, at what point should companies consider this strategy? So I always like to build everything in you know, phases. And at the end of the day, if you want to have a good content strategy, seriously, you have to start creating good content. First, got to come up with a strategy. Then you got to create good content. Then there is a level of actually doing technical SEO correctly. When uh, when Barry Schwartz was on the show, he says, if you can't even do these five things correctly, I mean, you're going to have an uphill battle. And then I don't remember his name uh, from arefs He was on the show and he it reminded me of what you mentioned about um, the meta data meta description. And he tested that, right? And he said sixty percent of the time, Google doesn't even use your meta description. They just they just pick whatever they feel like it. So that was interesting. That doesn't mean you shouldn't do a meta description because forty percent of the time, it still picks it. But um, all these things are worth testing. But where does this strategy fit in the in the in the maturity uh, met- matrix, for lack of a better term? Right. Like, where do I start? testing like it's probably not step one right it's, it's step absolutely no. not
1: step one no i mean it, uh, unless you've got some kind of crazy business that has grown to you know hundreds of millions in organic revenue without ever even thinking about seo somehow um i think no we're, we're pretty far uh, up the hierarchy of needs pyramid or, or the maturity model here i think this is t- what we see is mainly folks are investing in this once they've uh, they've already been doing SEO, they've got an in-house team, most likely. They've probably even got some very smart, you know, data scientists and folks like that working on improving the site. And they're probably collaborating well across teams. So you've got great product teams working with engineering teams, working with SEO teams, embedded with the marketing folks. Yeah, it it's it's generally a pretty mature, pretty effective operation. And it's the folks that are competing against other teams that are also at that level of maturity, frankly, and, and capability. And so they're looking for those, those small edges. They're looking to do stuff first. That's why you know, this is kind of cutting edge. And so it's, it's, a, it's a way of getting a jump on those competitors. And it's a way of being able to, um, to get ahead of them over the medium term. Because one of the things that we find most powerful, actually, is when you've got that big team and they're, you, as I say, you've got combined product and SEO working together, and they're Mm -hmm. iterating through these things. What we find when we get to start testing is quite a lot of ideas are actually a small amount negative. It's very, very easy to roll out changes that are minus 3%, minus 5%. And those are not necessarily detected by a a normal mode of operation. The water's muddied by seasonality. It's muddied by other changes that are going on. You You don't get kind of clean data on this. But the problem is, and I've written about this on our site, is um, they really add up, they compound negatively. And this is the the drag and the headwind that we see is really common for large, mature, capable SEO operations that kind of find that the growth isn't there in the way that it used to be or that they've they've plateaued uh, or worse, even even kind of declined year over year. And quite often it's because they are doing a couple of great things and then unfortunately I'm doing that work with accidental negative impacts. And so strangely, one of the biggest benefits of testing is to be able to never again roll out a negative SEO change, um, and just, you know, only compound the good stuff.
0: Well, well, I grew up in journalism, and words like never always everyone they always, um, I always wonder, I mean, there certainly sometimes can happen, right. But but that is a good goal to have for sure. Um, to never, ever roll out anything. I, I,
1: I, I, I come from statistics and probability. So when I say uh, almost always and you know, nearly never, uh, I, I'm definitely talking probabilistically. No, I mean, of course, some stuff can slip through it. And we are, uh, the, the big thing actually that we bang, I bang on about an awful lot with, uh, with the folks we work with is that the phrase I use is we're doing business, not science. So yeah. we are not shooting for the kind of confidence interval that you would have, that you demand of a medical trial or something, you know, we're, we're larger at risk. What we're trying to do is we're trying to say, yeah. balance the probabilities. We want to be right more often than we're wrong. We want to, you know, avoid the, the egregious errors and roll out the good stuff as fast as we can. So no, you, you're right to pick me up on that. I, I, I don't mean never, actually. I, I mean, probabilistically, let's do better than that competition.
0: And and it's certainly just a journalistic um, habit, I guess, When people, when somebody says, everyone has a good time. I'm like, I don't know. How do you know I had a good time? But, um, you know, but whatever. Uh, We're all having a good time right now. At least I am. So um, tell me about who in the team. I know there are bigger companies typically, but I think there there is a little bit of a push by some companies to always try to combine roles. The other day I saw a position that was opened and it was called head of content marketing and product marketing. They're not even related. That is not in the same area at all. Now, does that mean a content marketer couldn't do some things in product marketing? Sure. Or a product marketer could do some things in content marketing? Sure. But it's not the same level of expertise, right? They're very different roles in marketing. So I guess the question I have for you, the reason I bring this up, who actually does the testing? So you got the content creators, right? And I prefer, I don't want to do any, testing on the technical side yes i would like to be involved what's the wording what's the whatever you know the layout how does it look but i don't want to do the text testing right like because all these things dear bosses i mean it all this stuff takes time even the stuff that's highly efficient right so when you analyze stuff that takes time when you're in meetings that takes time when you're writing content that takes time when you're doing live streams that takes time I mean, we got this thing down to a uh, science now, Will, but get, we're still on the show, right? It still takes us time to prep. It still takes us time to look as good as, look as, good as we do. Um, so who on a team should focus on this? And, and, and how does that fit in with the rest of the team?
1: Yeah, great question. So it's typically not content folks. It's typically more like the, um, the I guess the slightly more technical end of the SEO team. It's very data centric. Uh, And it is it tends to have quite senior visibility because the it it produces data that is very senior team friendly, very exec friendly, very leadership friendly. Um, It produces SEO stats that look much more like paid search stats, where you kind of get to say, "Hey, we did this thing, and you can see this result as a that came from it." And you can see uh, you can draw that line between revenue and, and effort, which is is tough to do in SEO. Typically, um, and equally, we see some folks where it's done outside the team. So either by uh, our team, so we we have a professional services team that works on it, or by an agency. And I think you're absolutely right. Your instinct is correct to keep it away from the folks who are producing new content. Um, and it sits somewhere in somewhere between product development and technical SEO. Um, and it depends how the exact you know how the organisation is structured exactly as to Who's pressing the buttons? But I think probably we would generally see it being a fairly senior part of an in-house SEO team rather than a content team.
0: I'm really on a roll today. Dear bosses, did you hear that? It is not an intern. Not an intern, period. Stop giving everything to the intern. Senior role that knows what they're doing that has the experience, that can move things forward. Now, slightly off topic, Will, but we do have a lot of people listening and watching the show. And if you're listening to this on the podcast channels, um, the, the video version is available on all the other channels, LinkedIn, Twitter, YouTube, et cetera, and also on Spotify. So if you're listening on Apple, hop on over to Spotify and you can watch the video version. And what you will see on the video version is how good Will looks the lighting is perfect. Everything is perfect. And so my question is, Will, talk to us about, we have people watching who do these shows themselves, right, for their companies, but talk about your setup quickly. So I'm sure there's something people can learn.
1: Well, I mean, the the simplest thing is this is running on um, Camo Studio, which is a piece of software that means that my camera is an iPhone. So this is just my my phone, my regular phone. Uh, and it is the best camera I own these days. It's way better than my um, uh, regular webcam, so if you if you have a Zoom call with me, I probably wouldn't set up this whole uh, this whole setup. I, same background, but uh, not not the depth of field and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, uh, Camo Studio, it's called. It's pretty cheap. You can get an annual subscription that lets you use the... Um, it uses the portrait mode on the rear-facing camera on modern iPhones. So it's just that, a ring light, and a um, not super expensive, one of those blue uh External microphones—that's for the audio, obviously. But yeah, pretty simple setup.
0: I—I really feel like I'm in a negative uh, mood today. I don't—I don't, I don't want to get that along. But so, all of you people out there who tell me iPhones and iPads don't work for your live streams—they 100% work. I used to do them all the time. Now I got a little bit a different setup because I don't really leave this chair anymore um, as much as I used to. The last few minutes here will. Tell us about Search Pilot. Uh, you know how people sign up. Who should sign up? Anything else you can share about it? How it works?
1: Yeah. Well, so to to take the what people should do first, I think the the main thing I would love your audience to do is to join us in on our content journey. So whether you have one of the big enterprise type sites that I was talking about earlier, or whether you're doing SEO for a much smaller site. Either way, you can learn from the tests that we're running and we publish those at searchpilot.com. So if you head on over there, there's a link in the top nav to our newsletter and that basically gets you uh, case studies which we publish every couple of weeks and a new test. So we publish test results and we try and be as transparent as we can be considering you know, customer confidentiality and whatever. We just try and publish, hey, here's the test we ran, here's the results we got and we hope that those are useful to the broader industry, not just the folks who are working on these you know, $100 million revenue uh, organic businesses and so that's the that's my main call to action um in terms of like history of search pilot so i originally got into the industry my co-founder and i started a business called distilled which is an seo agency we started in 2005 uh, pretty old and we ran that business for um, 15 years before uh, event, before spinning out search pilot which had been the kind of r&d team within distilled so search Park became its own independent standalone tech business in early 2020 and the rest of the business so the agency and our conference business called search love um was acquired by a company called BrainLabs, which is um full service digital agency doing they, they start there in ppc but these days it's obviously with addition of us seo but also all kinds of other digital channels influencer marketing amazon you name it uh brain Labs does that so yeah we, that was the journey uh, we expanded to the u.s somewhere along the way. And so SearchPilot has had a, a US presence from the get-go, even though, as you mentioned, uh, and as you can probably hear, I'm a Brit based in uh, just outside of London. And yeah, SearchPilot is now 20 folks um, spread, distributed remote these days, but uh, with a hub in the UK uh, and some folks in New York and Seattle. And um, yeah, we're, we're having a blast doing this stuff and uh, I hope people will join us. If you want to, if, if people are interested in those case studies, also follow us on Twitter at SearchPilot, where we put out polls in advance of publishing the case studies to you can kind of vote on what you think the outcome is going to be based on our description of the test, which is kind of fun to put yourself to the test and see what you know that SEO. But don't expect to get many of them right because, as I said, it's really hard, and um, that's the whole point. That's why we end up running the the tests.
0: Things are certainly not getting any easier. I mean, things are changing all the time. As we know, I mentioned Barry earlier, who was on the show, I don't know how many episodes ago, probably 150 or so ago now. I mean, he he basically, yeah, I mean, he shares all, he shares like, I don't know, 20 updates a day. So certainly stuff is changing all yeah. the time.
1: Yeah. Well, sure. really uh, appreciate very prolific, isn't he? He's, uh, but love his stuff. It's, uh, it's great to have him.
0: He I catches him. so many different things that I would never even catch. But, what? um. unbelievable and certainly you know i follow him and and everybody check him out on twitter barry schwartz and go back to the previous episode will it was my pleasure to have you on the show thank you for sharing your insights really appreciate you making the time
1: thank you for having me on it's been, been great fun appreciate it
0: that's a wrap thanks for tuning in please rate and review our show on your favorite podcast channels and don't forget to share this episode with your networks We appreciate you. Until next time, let the best stories win.